But first, over to Nigel with the weather. Thanks, Andrew. And now the weather for all areas of the British Isles, but definitely not Bongo Bongo Land. Welcome to episode number eight of the Gristle Digest, the weekly podcast that chews more fat than James Corden at a KFC lock-in and spews out more meaningless garbage than Russell Brand on coke with a thesaurus. I'm Orup Sen and today's the 22nd of May and I'm joined as ever by my good friend Paul Moss. How's it going, Paul? Sup, sup, yo. It is. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm... To break tradition, it's not going great. Whoa. No, I'm joking. Everything's fine. Everything Whee! is fine. I'm a, I'm a ray of sunshine as, oh, as that's, ever. <laughs> that's good to know. That's good to good to hear. Well, um, top stories this week, Paul. Oh, go for it. Uh, first story: liar, liar. You are a liar. Mm-hmm. Shouts Prime Minister at Tory colleague. The Prime Minister and increasingly plainer-faced David Cameron labelled Defence Minister Penny Mordaunt's comment, uh, sorry, Mordaunt's comments on Britain's ability to prevent Turkey from joining the EU as very misleading. Mm. Earlier today on the Andrew Marr show, Mordaunt, I think that's how you say her name, Mordaunt. I think so, yeah. <laughs> a prominent member of the Leave campaign said Britain would be effectively powerless to stop Turkey from joining the EU, something that she felt was inevitable. When questioned by Ma, who said, I thought accession was something every country could veto if it wanted, Modern ignored the perfect opportunity to correct her statement and stuck to her big stupid guns, mm. saying, no, it doesn't. We are not going to be able to have a say. Uh, critics were quick to jump on Mordaunt, with some calling her a flat-out liar. Uh, the Prime Minister appeared later on the Peston show and suggested Mordaunt was wildly off point, saying that Turkey was probably ready to join the EU in the year 3000. So, yeah, witty bants from the Prime Minister there. Could be as well. Which is yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tips his cap. Um, next story. World shits his pants as Austria churns out another far-right leader. Oh, oh, oh. good at it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Been here before. Uh, Europe and the world wait on an annoyingly familiar knife edge as Austria goes to the polls today looking to elect her next president, with two exit polls giving a wafer-thin lead to far-right Freedom Party candidate Norbert Hofer. <laughs> the result is clearly far too close to call at the moment, but the prospect of, the Aus- of Austria becoming the first EU nation with a far-right leader looms alarmingly large. Uh, Hofer's Freedom Party has swept aside the traditional parties on a platform of anti-immigrant and anti-Muslim policies. Austria's flailing economy and an influx of immigrants last year equivalent to 1% of the population has created a perfectly manure-filled flowerbed for Herfer's racist turd roses to bloom. <laughs> it is not yet known whether Herfer will grow a stupid little moustache or develop a flouncy hand gesture to cement his far-right credentials. Um, final story this week, Paul. Uh, this is my favourite story for a number of weeks, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> Women's Institute in devastating jam attack oh, on ITV. Um, according to the Daily Telegraph, the Women's Institute has bombarded ITV with jam uh, in an impassioned protest at plans to axe the television show Home Fires, a drama set in World War Two, which focused on the jam making of the WI in Cheshire. <laughs> Like, I think that's the more ridiculous Jesus. part of the story. That is... <laughs> that's actually they, they made a program about that. But anyway, 
Um, <laughs> employees at ITV have said hundreds of jars of jam have been sent to the offices of Kevin Ligo, director of television oh. at ITV, and ITV chairman Adam Crozier in an attempt to persuade them to reconsider. Uh, and this is also another direct quote from from the article, which you know, a point that they believe to be interesting. They said, insiders also said the packages have included a wide variety of jams, including <laughs> home preserves. Wow. Um Excellent. Got to uh, mix it up. Exactly. <laughs> Reports that j- that five of the jars of jam uh, contained gooseberry and horseshit jam are yet to be confirmed, <laughs> but it is thought that most of the jam has been sent to Piers Morgan's for use at one of his infamous jam parties. Uh, so, <laughs> the those... pinnacle of celebrity life there. <laughs> yeah, the Piers Morgan jam party. He what, loves uh, his jam parties. Many, many in the uh, public I live for. <laughs> <laughs> Twice what a year, a story. every what a story. year. But um, yeah, so that's that's stories this week. But we'll start with um, what a week has been. Exactly. Yeah. Penny, the, the, I mean, this was today, actually. Penny yeah, I, I, saw, I saw this this morning. Yeah, um, who made a sort of ridiculous kind of error. It wasn't really... Was it an error? Was it a lie? It's hard to say, really. But, uh, yeah. Um, mm. yeah, she sort of said that uh, Turkey or sort of Britain would be powerless, effectively, yeah, to stop the, Turkey the, joining every, the EU. No one would have any power. And if no one would have any power. If you want it, then, then it would happen. Exactly. Even though that France and Germany really don't want yeah. the EU... Uh, sorry, Turkey to join. And... Um, yeah, as as Mar pointed out, yeah, Britain would have a veto anyway. But yeah, so wildly wrong. But I mean, people are really not cool about Turkey joining the EU, aren't they? Like, oh my god, like, like, there is flat out say it. It's they just are like, definitely no even... not wanted. Yeah, I mean, they don't even not wanted. There's like, I, I guess it's the assumption that it's just going to be uh, a secret way for more terrorists to get in. I think. That's, <laughs> I, think I don't know. How. I mean, it is. Turks, there they is do no... kind of look like terrorists. That's... Yeah. Well, that, there's <laughs> a way that they're, they're calling it the. They would call it like it would exacerbate the migrant crisis. Yeah. Which I read it. to mean the same thing. A really, yeah, said. real nice rhetoric there. It's nice. Yeah. Colorful language. They. I mean, the prime minister was quite quick to come out and say that she was. He was wrong. really um, damning. He, like, I, I thought he was gonna. I watched him on uh, with Alpesto, and I thought. <laughs> for whole pesters, I figured he would uh, try and play it down a little bit, but no, he was just like, "No, she's a div, she's thick, she's wrong, she couldn't be more wrong." Well, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. He He's, didn't really put any punches. He didn't. Uh, oh, refreshing, refreshing. Yeah, to see. yeah, yeah. I mean, she, she didn't. She didn't do herself. I, I, well, she got you called know, out, thought, didn't she? Yeah. Like, and she got called in it, and then she had the perfect opportunity to say. Oh look, yeah, Actually, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe I'll look into it, but or or to take some other route with her argument. But she was just like, nope, nope, like, like a child that's been caught out. No, yeah. definitely not. Definitely. It was quite unedifying uh, to watch. But um, yeah, if you if you, you if you get the chance, do have a look on. Um, I think it's on the BBC website. You can mm. see a video of it, and it is yeah, it's quite awkward. She is um, clearly wrong, yeah. and she really knows it though, by she her language. It as well. I think she uses um, like she goes back on herself and uses the word think like I think yeah uh, yeah like, exactly <laughs> where you can I if mean, you watch it you can see the moment where i think she kind of realizes she's, she's yeah. just dug herself a little hole pause it and enjoy that moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> um next story paul the austrian election oh, Jesus. Um, quite quite worrying um precedent could be yeah. set here i mean it, it, yeah they, they uh this chap norbert hoofer he's <laughs> uh, uh, the big hoof uh he is um pretty archetypal mm. uh, sort of far-right leader really uh, doesn't like hijabs you know what i mean <laughs> he, um, he doesn't he's not a, not a fan at all blames everything on immigration i mean they have had a lot of immigration in the last uh, year or so because mm. of syria and whatnot but um yeah it, it seems like the usual yeah and he's, he's also he's one of these he kind of dresses everything up 
in the yeah. way that's not completely evil. It's, I believe I might be wrong here, uh, but his party's called the Freedom Party. The Freedom Party. Yeah. You know what I mean, but all of these like right wing groups now have all kind of just latched on to having a slightly flowery or, or kind of positive sounding name. When I mean, all... freedom's a dirty word now, isn't it? Because of all of the, I mean, <laughs> you know, like the Tea Party in America. Yeah. Sort of freedom and like it's, it's, these it's guys freedom. The, the trouble is, they all just want the freedom to be utter pricks. I think that's the this is, <laughs> that's this the is problem. True. Yeah, which you know, I mean, is, you know, it's a freedom. I'd give it's it a him. freedom. This is true. I mean, I'm not sure um, quite what the impact of of a, a chap like that in a country like Austria yeah, is I'm, likely to have, like, on a sort of wider Europe. But I, I think it's just worrying. It, it's isn't it? worrying. I mean, just every country. I mean, I, they're not winning. You know, and this will be the first case where someone actually wins something. But they seem to be getting either more vocal. Uh, and bigger or just media speculation on them is a lot mm. bigger than it was or it's probably a mixture of those two things that that one kind of feeds the other and it just becomes a vicious cycle of, I think, uh, and I think it's just like the idea that you know this would be the first real sort of foothold yeah. for kind of far right stuff then they uh, become to... like a you know like an example for every other kind of yeah. right wing douchebag group you know I look well you know look at the Austrians did it and look at the Austrians yeah. said Farage <laughs> look at their fascist utopia <laughs> he, would, he would love it yeah I mean uh, so far I've not I don't really know too much about her for about the fact apart from the fact that he wouldn't appoint a female minister who was wearing a niqab or a hijab or something mm. um, which is you know understandable given the fact that he's a dick um, yeah but yeah um so that's Austria. We await and see what happens. Mm. Um, and final story, Paul, Women's story. Institute. Women's Institute, mate, smashing it up at the at the ITV studios. They well. are sending all these uh, all these jars of jam. jam. Certainly um, creating a, a sticky situation. Oh, stop it! <laughs> They've got themselves into a right pickle. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely shocking behaviour. But they, but it, it's. Um, I think it. I don't know if it's going to make them reconsider. You know. I can't believe there is a, a program about jam, jam making in jam the WI. In I can't believe that's a drama. That's on. I'm, I'm glad it's not. I'm glad it was on ITV <laughs> and therefore it's not sort of taxpayer yeah, funded. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's but it does. It, it's, it would. It's not an unfamiliar type plot line, is it, for something on like BBC Two? It sounds you know, very yeah, BBC like because it's quite plucky and cheap exactly. to make. Exactly. So I can imagine people. This was the it. jab that they used in their sandwiches at Bletchley Park, <laughs> and that was how they broke the code, and we won the war. You know, it's just oh god. That's yeah. nuts. But in a week that the BBC lose recipes, uh, ITV loses jam. It's uh, it's oh. been a bad week for, for, <laughs> for food stuff. For foodstuffs. And, and for TV food companies. Yeah. Oh. oh, what a week! <laughs> what a week! <laughs> On this day in history, Paul, uh, today is the 22nd of May. Uh, yep. Last week uh, was the 13th of May. And as you may remember, uh, the theme of the facts was uh, peasant riots involving combination foodstuffs. That's it. The yeah. peasants were revolting. I remember exactly. it well. Uh, the three facts. Uh, fact yep. number one was in 1462, a... Um, Political turmoil, sorry, in Tippelplatzen, uh, 100 miles south of Berlin, led to the sausage and potato riots. Uh, fact number two, in 1492, 
uh, an economic crisis in Kenema Land, Northern Holland, to the bread and cheese riots. And uh, fact number three, uh, in 1496, a new tax by landlords in Balzac led to the garlic and tomato uh, riots. <laughs> um, and uh, out of those three facts, so again, just to sort of clarify the rules for those people that may be joining us uh, for the first time or haven't listened to the initial few episodes. Um, in these three facts, yeah, one of them actually happened, the other two are complete. Um, Cod's wallop. Wallop of cod, exactly. Oh, what a great um, wallop of of cod, a cock of poppy. Exactly, to... <laughs> exactly. Pure fabrications <laughs> that I've been indulging myself in. But uh, yeah, so you went for um, sausage and potato. Yeah, I do. I went meat and potatoes. Meat, meat and, and potatoes. potatoes. Well, that's what I'd fight for. That's, yeah. that's why I went there. Yeah. Exactly. Unfortunately, mate, it was um, ah. bread and cheese oh, in Holland. Um, and yeah, it actually got it got quite tasty. Um, loads of uh, it's only three parts of Holland: Horn, Elkmer, and Holum. Uh, the t- uh, sort of tax collectors were kind of killed. Mm. Like loads of them. Sort of, no. uh, castles were stormed and by insurgents wow. and stuff like that. And uh, over a cheese sandwich. Over some cheese, and uh, the revolt was uh, eventually quashed by Albert the Third, Duke of Saxony, uh, and two hundred peasants. Uh, were killed. Uh, so yeah, bread and cheese, man. Bread and cheese. Well, leave it, leave it to the Dutch to have a, a war over cheese. Jesus. Yeah, they're Jesus. sort of. And yeah, I hope Buddha. it was proper cheese as well, not kind of not edam. Well, you're right. Yeah, it would tasteless. it would be tasteless edam. I'd you know you, you'd have a punch up over cheddar. Yeah. I'd I'd draw blood over Stilton if I'm honest, but oh, edam. Edam. I wouldn't get out of bed for it. I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure I'd riot. Um, ah, crazy Holland. <laughs> this week's facts, Paul, twenty second of May, in the mix. Right, I've been researching them. Okay, I've been researching okay. Them. I think um, I'm familiar with all facts from twenty second of May. I will. They are they're, they're again themed. I'll, I'll sort of just let the theme come out as I say them. Oh. To be quite obvious. Um, fact number one. So again, one of the these facts is correct. The other two are complete wallop of cod. Um, fact number one: In 1965, leading musicians, artists, and flouncy toffs uh, convened to decide that 22nd of May would be World Hippie Day. Um, in fact number two: In 1979, um, leading musicians, artists, and spit-covered pimple factories convened to decide that 22nd of May would be World Punk Day. Nice. Or in 2009. Fact number three, 2009, leading musicians, artists, and budding serial killers convened to decide that 22nd of May would be World Goth Day. So, Ooh. either World Hippie Day, so, hippies, or goth. punks, or uh, or goths. In 65, um, 79, and 09, respectively. I'm gonna I'm gonna exclude punks immediately because uh, an organised day. Doesn't seem very punk. Yeah, that's not very punky. Punk, yeah, every day should be punk day. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove that. A hippie day. Hey. Hey, dude, it's like hippie day. <laughs> hey. Just, just, just hang out. Just like chill. Yeah. Listen to some music, it's hippie day. I don't know, would they do that too lazy? Sounds a bit too, yeah. too organised. Possibly. So I'm going to go with goth day goth day. they seem attention grabbing and needy enough no, no offense to any goth <laughs> listeners <laughs> but you know grow up um uh, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go goth day mossy goes with goth day answers next week let's take it to the man on the street excuse me sir what are your thoughts on the recent dissension in the conservative party 
Are you worried a party divided is a party that can't stand? Well, I don't think that lot United stood much of a bloody chance, mate. Bunch of overpaid silly buggers. I'll tell you what though for now. If that arm-faced pig fucker or his floppy-haired mate wants a proper bloody Barney, they know where to find me. This week, I've taken a break from my typical highbrow and low research reporting, and I've gone all Barry Norman on you, as I present a special Gristle Digest movie review. The movie in question uh, is a tale of dissension amongst a group of powerful so-called do-gooders, led on one side by a blindly patriotic would-be hero, and on the other by a self-surfing leader of industry, as they go head-to-head in a battle that could have devastating consequences for all humanity. Yes, it's comic book capers with Martin Durkin's Brexit, the movie. Brexit, the movie, was crowdfunded on Kickstarter by pro-leave campaigners. Um, It set a goal of gaining £100,000 in donations uh, in order to make the movie, which, to be fair to them, it easily smashed in almost no time at all. Though it's definitely worth mentioning that more than half of the required amount was donated by one single anonymous hedge funder donation. So knowing that this was going to be an unapologetic pro-leave propaganda movie uh, financed by xenophobes and some anonymous probably a bastard city boy, (laughs) I wasn't expecting a balanced argument going in. I was expecting kind of tacky race baiting and farage fellatio served with a course of uh, fear and unfettered anger. What further fueled my apprehension actually before watching the movie um, was the writer, director and star of a documentary, Martin Durkin. Now, Durkin is best known for his 2007 film, The Great Global Warming Swindle. Yeah, it kind of sets you up what this guy's all about. It's um, yeah, a movie which has been so universally slammed by the scientific community that even phrenologists and alchemists distance themselves from it. Um, his other works, and he's all completely true, his other works include Dr. Tatiana's Sex Advice to All Creation, NASA's what? unexplained files, did we nuke Jupiter? Um, honest to God, and extreme ironing, pressing for victory. Oh. There are a series of other just horrific titles. Um, have a look on this guy's IMDb to understand what you're dealing with. Um, so before watching, I, uh, I popped to the kitchen for some seasoning to make sure I was able to cope with the number of pinches of salt I was going to need to take over the coming 70 minutes. Now, the movie starts with Durkin on a train on his way to Brussels, presumably to see the beast of the EU up close and personal. This movie, it wastes no time kind of building clever exposition. It immediately states the threat that the EU pens to literally all of us, and then declares that this movie is a rallying cry for the people of Britain to vote leave on June 23rd, in what is, and this is how they describe it, in what is the single biggest political decision any of us will ever face in our lifetimes. Right out of the door, the rhetoric is is already threatening. Um, The term dictatorship uh, as a description of the EU comes precisely at the one minute mark. And quite frankly, none of that was surprising. That was all really kind of what I was expecting going into it. What was surprising, though, was the excellent quality of the film. It looks so much more professional than I uh, kind of envisaged it would do. Um, It's not some kind of Farage fanboy filmed on an iPhone job, which is what I was expecting. It's a a quality-looking documentary. It's it's none of that kind of Britain First style. 
Um, Durkin kicks off going into the baffling levels of bureaucracy at the heart of the EU, the, the multitude of different councils, the impotence of MEPs, and he does raise some very valid arguments about the failings of the EU, um, which, you know, whatever side of the argument you lie on, you'd probably agree is, is in need of some reformation. Durkin then looks at some of the various European councils and focuses on the lack of accountability these people have. And again, the guy makes some good points and, and he does a good job at painting this picture of the EU as a, a failing boys club run by and for the European elite. And you know what? He's probably right <laughs> with a lot of this stuff. But just as you start to think about the validity of any of the arguments you're hearing, you are thrust back into the reality of what this movie is, as throughout you are treated to a series of talking head interviews from some of the worst shitbags in Blighty. Um, we hear from James Dellingpole, David Davis, Big Nige Faraggio, and ironically, as Liverpool say goodbye to Europe, former Sun editor and epitome of arsehole Kelvin Bullbag McKenzie makes several appearances. Vile, toad-like creature. As well as the constant interviews with the who's who of dick boxes in British politics, the movie also jarringly breaks into kind of random Python-esque animations complete with wacky soundtracks to get across the absurdity of the EU. And it also has what I can only really describe as a grotesquely xenophobic sketch throughout the entire thing, which portrays lazy European workers being distracted by some fat tart, drinking wine and generally being too lazy and stupid to make anything. Whilst in contrast, they show these kind of comic book Chinese <laughs> workers literally with calculators making ultra-efficient goods <laughs> and bowing. It's, it's horrific and kind of really has to be seen. And bear in mind, this is in the context yeah. of a serious political documentary absolutely bonkers they also have a frenchman with a striped jersey a string of onions around his neck and a beret <laughs> and the most bizarre thing of all they have this weird kind of businessman completely painted gray who looks i mean it's not blackface it's not meant to be but it looks blackface looks like the like the gray and white minstrels it's it's really awkward especially when you know who's made this film and and he's like meant to represent brussels or, or european business or something it's it's quite bizarre <laughs> Now, the movie, it really comes in two halves. In the first half, it actually does not a bad job drawing out the massive flaws within the current system and, you know, making a fairly good argument for leaving it, you know, in the spirit of kind of fairness. It's the second half of the documentary, though, where things really start to fall apart. And that's when it starts focusing on the potential for a uh, Britain being out of the EU and having kind of massive uh, prosperity. The movie makes several wild claims about growth potential and repeatedly makes the claim of prosperity on an unimaginable scale. I mean, these guys, they really put the picture that as soon as we leave the EU... You know, it will literally just be raining golden blowjobs and, and we'll all the be... The promised land. Yeah, we'll all be over the, the moon. And it, again, you know, the production values behind it, the, the Brexit video does a good job of kind of painting this picture and getting some of those kind of false and selective statistics across. But the argument, it's so one-sided, but it soon becomes laughable as the points get weaker and weaker and the movie becomes contradictory to itself. It kind of makes this big argument um, that our trade with non-EU nations is fantastic. We're doing brilliant trade with all of these non-EU nations. And then says we should definitely leave the EU and that will help our trade. We don't need the EU because we've got these other nations. But we're already trading with them. So I was watching it and I was just thinking, how does that change? How does just leaving the EU magically mean that hmm. we're going to trade loads more with other nations? Now, Durkin does a brilliant job 
talking up our trade with India, China, Russia and Brazil, but, but fails to argue that, for example, our trade with just Ireland alone is bigger than our trade of all of those four nations put together. In fact, at no point, at no point throughout the entire movie is the size uh, of our EU trade discussed. Um, and for me, it just became an elephant in the room that I couldn't really ignore. In fact, the only benefits, and this is true, the only benefits um, that were mentioned mm. in the entire movie of being in the EU were cheap mobile tariffs and cheap holidays. And they were literally positioned as the only benefits to being in the EU, those two things. They they literally were. It wasn't like they just kind of left other things to the side and said, oh, but there, there are those two things. They literally positioned that this is all we get back from the European agreement. It was bonkers. The movie, it comes to its conclusion in Switzerland, a country that I firmly believe Martin Durkin is in love with. This guy spoke about Switzerland like he was a horny sailor writing a sordid love letter after nine months at sea. Durkin uses the Swiss as the example of what Britain could be, and that if we vote leave on June 23rd, then a future of skiing, tax avoidance and accurate timekeeping is a certainty for all British citizens. In summary, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I kind of envisioned it being a right-wing, race-baiting snuff movie. But it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. In fairness, immigration was not the focus at all. What this was was an economic argument for leaving Europe, and, and not a racist one. So, I guess props for not being racist. Uh, y yay. This movie was designed for, for undecided middle Britain voters um, and due to the production value, the misrepresentation of facts, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly worried because I think they've done quite a good job. I can imagine this actually being a deciding factor for many voters who are you know, not quite made up and mm. aren't really just instantly on the, the xenophobic nationalist side. Um, so it's, a, it's a bit of a worry. So far, the movie's already garnered around about a half million viewers on YouTube. So also, yeah, it's completely free, so anyone can watch it. Um, I think it came out about 10 days ago, so half a million viewers over 10 days, not a runaway success, but but I guess pretty decent. Um, overall, I'd say if you are pro-Brexit, give it a watch, you'll feel 10 foot tall, you'll feel so good about yourself. Um, if you are a pro-Bremain, um, give it a watch, you'll feel <laughs> intellectually and morally superior to, your, <laughs> to the opposition. Um, but I would say if you're politically neutral, you're undecided, but you're easily swayed by overly dramatic productions give this a miss or at least do some research afterwards um overall i give it 3.5 out of 9 gristles um as a, a scary movie actually it not being as evil as i thought made it quite a lot more worrying <laughs> if that makes sense yeah it's like yeah. a really well-told lie no. you know <laughs> yeah no i've not watched it um but uh yeah no i'll probably have to, yeah, have to give it a look. I, I would say i would say give it a go um because the whole it's it's quite interesting that they they kind of build the whole thing around the economics rather than the the kind of racism and xenophobia but i guess those guys are already on side there's no benefit to further yeah. catering to them yeah it's true so there's kind of a lot this of a lot of jumped up examples of how you know financially we'll yeah. be much better off but their arguments were yeah, yeah super true. weak super one-sided but but give it a watch <laughs> Alhamdulillah, those were some awesome waves, dude. Tell me, you saw me hanging tan. What? What are you talking about, brother? Surfing, bro. You must have seen it, man. Oh, oh, oh you know I cannot watch you surf. Ever since the time your shots come off and that. Uh, 
I saw your little moja holy. Come on, Allah, keep your voice down, dude. Dude, that was a that was a cold day, man. Oh, inshallah, that is true, brother. Anyway, I was busy. I was busy ordering illegal weapons. Illegal weapons? All right, bro. Illegal weapons using my phone. The 4G coverage here at the beach is excellent. May peace be with O2 Network. Alhamdulillah. That is amazing. So what? Like Amazon or eBay or some shit? No, you infidelity dum dum. I'm in the deep internet, deeper than ever before, and I'm using the Bitcoin, the currency invented by that you know the homosexual Australian criminal. Bitcoin, man, Bitcoin. Bro, I need to get on that. Still using my old debit card, but you know I heard they can trace you. On another note, like there's a van parked outside my house. Been there for about six days. It has kind of a big uh, area. Okay, okay. Anyway, just give, look, give me your phone. Give me your phone, brother. Please, it's easy. I will give you. Dude, 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 you do not have to do that, bro. That's no, no, I insist, that's brother. Fine. The jihad depends on us using the Australian homosexual currency. Okay. Please give me your phone. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Thank you, thank you. Right. Okay, I just uh, opened this and. Oh, one second. You have a message. Who is, who is big boy? Uh, big, big, big watchie. Gee, I don't know, man. Doesn't. Doesn't sound like anyone I know. Must be a wrong number. He says he has left a T-shirt at your house. What? What? That's. That is. That's crazy, dude. You know, I've never even known anyone who's owned a T-shirt. Brother, what is a a glory hole party? What is this? When you go like a nightclub and there's holes in the bathroom. What? Dude, I don't. I don't even know. Just, just give me that, dude. Okay, okay, okay. I'm good. I was trying to help you. It's okay, bro. It's okay. I'll um. I'll do it from my laptop at home, dude. No problem. Of course, you can give me your laptop, and I can set it up for you there. No, no. Um, I can set it up, dude. No need to give you my laptop. There's nothing on there. Um, anyway, let's forget this Bitcoin shit, dude. Let me change the music up, my man. Sure, sure. Oh yeah, I'll. Um, Adala. That's the ship right there, right, bro? You have been away from the jihad too long, brother. Sport and douchebag sportsman of the week this week, Paul. Yeah. Is sadly, because it's a bloke I actually kind of like, it's a West Indian cricketer and fabulously entertaining fellow... Christopher Gale, oh, who has once again courted controversy with some choice remarks oh, about women. Uh, naughty Chris. Uh, earlier in the year, his on-air advances to an Australian female journalist were not welcomed. <laughs> I don't know if you saw I that. I did see that. Um, what a yeah. silver-tongued Lothario. Silver-tongued. He didn't come well, across yeah. slightly, slightly creepy <laughs> Sinister <old>. Lothario, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yesterday, he was reported to have said, I think again to an Australian journalist, women should please their man. <laughs> when he comes on, food is on the table. Serious! <laughs> you ask your husband what he likes, then you make it. <laughs> so... Unfortunately, Mr. Gale, I think like, like if, if lightning strikes once, you can sort of say, you know, yeah, let you off. But that's that's you're a douchebag. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that was pretty douchey. Those words uh, are only acceptable if you're if you're pork pie from Desmond's. Exactly. Not a real person. He, he he did sort of um he he did come out afterwards and sort of say I'm a joker. Everybody know that you know. Yeah, and then, but that's, that doesn't sound like a joke. It's not a joke, is it? <laughs> what's no. the punchline there? 
Where's Bob's line? Where's Bob's line? Unlucky bastard of the week, Paul. Oh, hello. Uh, this week, uh, unlucky bastard of the week is soon to be former Manchester United manager Louis Beavis and or Butthead Van Hart. Mm, that who is, is currently be- he was currently in the process of being sacked in yeah. the most humiliating way imaginable um van Hal has claimed he wasn't told about Mourinho's appointment despite wide press speculation that the special one is due to be appointed on monday which is tomorrow morning mm. and several photos of Mourinho waltzing about looking marginally more smug than normal um, have appeared in the papers as well so everything suggests that he's, uh, he's going to be the man but yeah pretty pretty hard i feel for, pretty bad for, for van Gogh. just be not I mean, it was fairly inevitable it was going to happen. I think he's had a bad season. And the guy's been given £250 million to try yeah. and get, you know, what is historically, certainly recently speaking, the best football team in maybe the world playing OK football. And it hasn't done that. Like, United play bad football. Yeah. Um, but the guy just won the FA Cup. True. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. On, on and the and it, was, it was just how quick the story came out after... Uh, after the FA Cup win like it was like an hour and a half not even that like within an hour and the headline was replaced by United win the FA Cup with Mourinho starts on Monday and I just think that's that's a low pretty, blow pretty harsh. and uh, exactly. from uh, coming from a, a Chelsea fan that's a shitty thing for a football club to do and we, <laughs> we write the book on shitty things that football clubs can do <laughs> well there's, there's this, this is the latest actually in a list of a number of um, sort of embarrassing managerial um uh, sackings that have taken place in football over the years, um, and I've got a list of a few of them actually. Oh, wow. Some of the some of the, some of the greats. Um, so let's start with um, Martin Joel, mm-hmm. who was sacked from Spurs yes. um, back in two thousand and seven. In seven, and he was. Um, I think Spurs had lost away to Getafe in the in the, what was then the UEFA Cup. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Spurs board didn't even wait until he got back uh, to sack him, and he actually found out from a mate. Uh, who texted him and told him that Jesus. <laughs> he was sacked. Um, Bored old Martin uh, A long time before that. Exactly, yeah. He was a great guy. Like, really such a nice guy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I loved his, just, good bloke. Just liked was, his interviews, real... his little gruffly Dutch voice. Oh, well, I thought we played some really great football to Dutch. He was a great, it was a very passionate performance. Much loved, much loved. Sorely treated. But also Bruce Rioch in 1997. Um, Bruce Rioch woke up uh, to um, read a newspaper headline uh, saying that he was sacked that <laughs> from QPR, that sucks. Uh, which is how he found out. <laughs> which is kind of harsh. Yeah. Um, Mark Hughes um, uh, 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 was um, was I think he was he was sacked and replaced with Roberto Mancini in, in a very similar situation yeah. to uh, this in two thousand and nine. It's very similar situation to, to Van Hal actually. Like the word had already got out, you know what I mean. And he'd had like um, an okay season, didn't he? Didn't they finish like second under Hughes that season? And then, yeah, exactly. It wasn't the worst yeah. of seasons, and it was all quite cloak and dagger. And uh, yeah, again, a fairly earnest fellow, mm. <laughs> Mark Hughes, and he was uh, <laughs> thrown under the bus. And a slightly weird one here. We won't know about this one. This is a chat called Saban Yildirim. Uh, who is manager of Turkish Super League side Sakarya? Oh, I can't barely say this. Sakarya Rispor. Um, okay. And they, they, <laughs> they, 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 he was sacked live on TV. So wow. He was actually um, on a, sort of uh, participating in a phone in, a live phone in, expecting sort of fans to phone up and just be a bit angry on the phone. And a board member of the club phoned up and told him he was fired. Jesus, um, pretty, that's amazing. That was pretty harsh. Wow. <laughs> And uh, the last one I'll tell you about is um, 
Uh, Trevor Francis, who used to be manager of yeah. um, Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. and he was sacked in 2003. And he um, got news of his sacking when he went to meet. Uh, so that they were um, the owner was Simon Jordan. Yeah, yeah I know. I know Simon Jordan. Utter bleached, yeah, sort of knobhead. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he he went to go and wish Trevor Francis happy birthday because it was his birthday, and then told him that he was getting the sack. And then <laughs> apparently Trevor um, uh, Francis responded, "But it's my birthday." And, uh, yeah, and uh, Simon Jordan response responded with many happy returns, Trev, and gave him his P forty five. Jesus, classy guy, classy guy, Simon yeah, Jordan. Exactly. That, that's about that's what you can expect. Either that's from... a crappy lie to tell, or that was a shitty thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> He's not coming out of that Oof. one too well, Simon Jordan. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, um, so Mourinho, uh, sorry, um, Van Hal, incredibly luck- unlucky. But, yeah, yeah, he, jo- he joins a list of unlucky. He people, does, he does. I think. Can't. And if you're a football manager, you've got you've just got to expect this now. Got this to, is going to happen. Disgusting. Um, just in respect of uh, before we sort of close up on sport, just yeah. uh, just in respect of uh, last week. So uh, last week's um, douchebag of the week was whoever left <laughs> the yeah, of course, because it was it was hot on the hills. We didn't of it. Know. We knew nothing. We didn't know who it was or what it was at the time. We that we could uh, have woken we, up to the news of several dead people in Manchester exactly. and it's just been. We would have paid yeah. really horrific humans for making light of that. We dodged well, a bullet there, so <laughs> yeah. And 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 now we know exactly who invested yes. there. It was a man called Christopher Reed from Security Search Management and Solutions Limited. Oh, Reedy, um, you plunker! In probably the biggest blunder in kind of security search management and solutions history. It's got to be mean, up there, isn't it? And he sort of joked actually in an, in a newspaper article that I saw. He was kind of like, <laughs> "Yeah, we'll probably go into liquidation." <laughs> now, mate, you will. Yeah, you will go into liquidation because um, no one's oh, going to be bitch. using you again. Just can't wait for the old situation to diffuse. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> yeah, just sell my house. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, he's sort of it's worrying in the sense that yeah, his company's crap because mm. they didn't retrieve all their things. But also, I think if it's testing Man United's staff, so Old Trafford staff. At finding these things, well, they're shit as well. So yeah, they find one it was there them. for like three days, wasn't it? They left it. It was three days, and no one noticed it. And no one noticed yeah. it. That's just bad. a bad situation. And how many? What's, what's Old Trafford now? What like ninety thousand, eighty-five thousand, something like that? I think it's in the seventies, to be honest. But still, it's big though, isn't it? I mean, it's one of the bigger stadiums. Problem. <laughs> yeah, we have. I mean, that's a significant number of people to be blown up. Exactly. What a up what your a game, situation. up your game, United. Stop being mean to managers and sort out your bloody security. And stop, yeah, stop hiring crazy little tin pot companies from Kent to uh-huh. do your security search management and solutions work. Yeah. What'd that do? Save save your, what, 10% on someone? Your man mm. United. Put your hands in your Un- pockets. Get some, Unbelievable. Get some proper bomb security, you twats. Twats. Idiots. Um, well, <laughs> that sort of brings the show to a close. Just time for an audio Instagram. Ooh. Don't mind. Please um, do, sir. Please do. This week's audio Instagram is a picture of Michael Gove sitting down to eat a cat. And it's Instagram with a hashtag Happy Christmas. So maybe <laughs> he's off his meds again. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Maybe it was just a particularly tasty looking cat. You can't blame. Yeah. You know. Or maybe a previously deleted Instagram has kind of been regurgitated mm. by the system. Do you know what I mean? That's it. But, um, so that's my. Maybe it's an Instagram week. that hasn't happened yet, and the the Matrix maybe. put it together for us. But you know, you can't judge Michael Grove too harshly. He doesn't have a human soul. No, this is true. Can't judge him by our standards. No. <laughs> That brings this week's show to a close. Thanks for listening. Um, join us. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Crystal Digest. Do that. 
do it. Visit us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com, awesome. hyphen gristle hyphen digest. Mm-hmm. Get on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Also check out YouTube, Definitely our YouTube do that. channel. Definitely do uh, that. I do try and we do try and get some stuff on there um, when we can. And email us, thegristledigest at gmail.com, or just leave us comments with stuff that you're thinking. Please do, please do. We welcome Not even about the show, just about what you're yeah, thinking. Random stuff. Random just stuff. Life. Yeah, mm. Just let us know. Communicate. Mm. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much indeed. Bye.